Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode 109. Today we have a very special guest, Dr. Daniel Carlson. We're going to hear about his study on COVID and the impact of women in the workforce and what men have to do to support them. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders and the missing logic in healthcare, so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Welcome back, listeners, for another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is Michelle. And her sidekick, Tracy. Yes, and we are back again. Amazing, and, isn't it? Yeah. We show up every week. Yeah, you know, wouldn't you all be shocked if just one of us showed up? Or we didn't show up at all. <laughs> or maybe somebody showed up instead of us. Oh, that'd be, that'd be that interesting. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> it sure How would. do you know it's us? Maybe somebody's standing in. <laughs> I don't think so. We got those laughs and yeah. Yeah, uh, you know us. Yeah. You know us. Well, <laughs> we interviewed Daniel Carlson, Tracy's son. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah, it was. It was very, very cool. Yeah. I'll tell you, all those years ago, I would have never thought that I'd be on the podcast that I was the host of with my son. No, you know, there's some things in life you just can't predict. You can't. This is one of them. You can predict polarities, but you can't predict stuff like this. No, you can't. You can't. But what a pleasure and uh, an honor, really. He's doing some incredible work. I'm so proud of him. And uh, it was just really fun to give him a place to share the work that he's doing. I totally agree. And you'll hear in the interview kind of what made us ask him to come on the show. And what he is sharing is so relevant to what's happening today in the COVID era and really in just the whole workforce era, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. never goes away, the workforce era. Oh, no, no. <laughs> they're there they're pretty much all the time, all the time. But we're excited to share uh, Dan's work with you, and uh, Tracy's going to introduce her son. Yeah, my pleasure. Yes. So, Daniel Carlson is Associate Professor of Family and Consumer Studies at the University of Utah. He is deputy editor of Journal of Marriage and Family and member of the board of directors for the Council of Contemporary Families. Dr. Carlson studies the causes and consequences of couples' divisions of labor and is currently investigating how parents' divisions of domestic labor changed during the COVID-19 pandemic. His research has been featured in the New York Times, the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, and the Atlantic and Time, among numerous other media outlets. So without further ado, here's my son, Dr. Daniel Carlson. 
Well, welcome, Dan, to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, and Tracy and I are very excited to have you on our show today. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to be with you. Well, we just have to tell you, we are so proud of you. We're so proud of our dad. Oh, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Never thought I'd be on a podcast with my son. I know. (laughs) See, life is full of surprises. (laughs) Well... Well, I'll tell you, when you posted and then uh, we read the article that you co-authored recently in the Harvard Business Review and in the work-life balance section, we might add our jam. Um, Well, we just knew we had to have you on the show. And we loved the title, To Keep Women in the Workforce, Men Need to Do More at Home. I know that piqued my interest and I read it right away. (laughs) (laughs) Good title, Dan. So... So let's start out. Tell our listeners a little bit about that article and how you became interested in this field of study. Uh, yeah, so so the the article um, is a opinion editorial that we wrote um, in essence to to promote some new research that we had conducted um, on work family issues uh, related to the to the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, and also, you know, to to reach out to um, to businesses, really, um, who are uh, the ones who are in a position to do something about uh, families, uh, work, family balance um, struggles, especially during this time. Um, so, you know, as you, you probably know, right, we've all gone through this pandemic. Um, the pandemic, you know, obviously, aside from its effects on health really obliterated the line, the invisible line between work and family, right? Um, uh, Jobs became remote, um, schools and daycares closed, forcing all sorts of childcare back into the home. People lost their domestic supports, right? They couldn't go out to eat. They couldn't, you know, send out their laundry. Grocery shopping became incredibly difficult. Um, And so the question was really, you know, in terms of, of work and family, who would do all this extra work, right? That was now coming back into the home. Um, and we know that, you know, in the United States, you know, our, our gender conventions are that these things are the responsibilities of women. And so there's a lot of fear that this pandemic would have immense costs um, to women, especially mothers, um, occupations and careers. Um, as we all know, that balancing both work and family is incredibly difficult. And so when you add on those additional stressors, when you add on those additional tasks, um, something's got to give. And so um, one of the things that gave was, was mom's work. And so when the pandemic hit, uh, unemployment rates skyrocketed, and they did so especially for mothers. Um, and so we wanted to see what were the factors really that were driving this because a lot of things changed simultaneously. Daycares closed, schools closed, um, and there's a lot of other things that, that impact mom's work, like the division of labor at home, what men do. So we wanted to see you know what was really driving mom's labor force participation during the pandemic, and then hopefully come up with some policy recommendations to to resolve this this serious issue. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's. Well, timing is everything, because I know this has been an interest of yours for years. You've done a lot of great research around this, and um, and just bringing this forward right now with what has happened as a result of the pandemic to make some changes is is really important. So I really applaud you. And Tracy and I know firsthand how important it is to be working mothers 
mm-hmm. and have really supportive husbands. Um, yeah, I think we're the envy of a lot of women. We are. <laughs> because we have husbands, right, who who did all the domestic stuff, right? For years, they did that for us, and we didn't have to do that, right? We're So yeah. that's a envious position to be in for a lot of women. They're like, oh my God, how did that happen, right? Yeah, and it's, and it's not like, you know, our husbands don't work. No, <laughs> they, no. They work, um, but we've always appreciated that, that, that balance. And uh, we appreciate, too, what your research is bringing forward, though. When there's a major change, people aren't prepared for it, you know, your your research really illustrated that mm-hmm. it causes a lot of ramifications to not only the family, the community, and even nationally. So, yeah. well, and this is uh, you know the work family or work mm-hmm. home, you know tension is always there, right? It's a always. it's a polarity, right? That's what we talk about here in the pie. It's a polarity. It's always going to be there. It's never going to go away. And if it isn't balanced to begin with, then you add on the trauma of COVID and all of these other, you know, um, chain of events, you know, to your point that happened, it just exacerbates what already is a stressful situation, I think. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Well, I'll tell you what, Dan, before we go any further with this interview, (laughs) our audience is going to want to know, you know, do you have children? I, yes, I do. Yeah, I have, two, <laughs> I have two beautiful children. I have a daughter, Windsor, who's six, and a son, Wyatt, who's four. And I'm very, very blessed to have them in my life. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting and here. I am too. I'm sitting here next to Grandma Gigi, and I get my ear. I get my ear full of. Winnie and Wyatt stories. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's great because as a researcher, you don't necessarily have to have that experience yourself. But I think it's really cool that not only do you research these, you know, these topics, mm-hmm. but you're living the experience, you know, in Utah as well. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about what you and your wife, Jenny, even went through with the pandemic and your roles. You know, she owns a business, you know, you work at the university. What kind of things did you personally experience with this work shift that happened with the pandemic? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, our experience in a lot of ways, is, it was typical of what a lot of families went through. Um, but there was also some parts of it that were atypical. So, you know, one of the one of the typical things is that, again, we just everything just got blurred. I, I could no longer go to the office. I was working exclusively from home. Um, you know, Windsor did virtual school this year. So we had to manage her virtual learning, which was, you know, quite an endeavor. I mean, you know, it's it's especially for little kids who are not necessarily technologically savvy. Um, there was a lot of, you know, tech support, right, that that we had to do. Um, our son Wyatt would have normally have been in preschool, but he was also at home. And so making sure that he was not interrupting Windsor's learning, right, became a major task that we had to manage. Um, you know, and then we had our own jobs to do, right? So we mm-hmm. had to find that space and that time to work. Um, and it was incredibly difficult to, to, to manage that. Um, and again, those, those boundaries just became incredibly blurred. Now, one of the things about us that's atypical, though, is that we've had, both of us, incredible job flexibility to begin with, right? So this wasn't new. I worked from home a lot as it was. 
Jen runs her business out of the house. So, so this was adding on to, to a situation in which we had already sort of been managing before. So we were somewhat practiced at it. Right. So Mm -hmm. one of the ways in which we, um, you know, manage our lives is, is sort of split shift parenting. Right. So there's days that Jen works and then I watch and monitor the kids and monitored Windsor school. And then there were days that I worked exclusively and Jen would, you know, monitor the kids school and, 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 and Wyatt and and whatnot. Um, So, but you know, again, it's just, when you don't have time to yourself, right, things become incredibly stressful. And then you add on the health worries of the pandemic on top of it, right? So there were concerns early on, you know, about like, what do I do with my groceries? Do I have to leave them out in the garage for 24 hours? And do I have to sanitize the the cereal box? You know, we didn't know how it was transmitted. We didn't know how virulent it was. We didn't know what the risk was. So we had these health concerns, you know, we're incredibly stressed about that. We have children who are young who don't understand any of this. All they know is they can't see people anymore, right? They can't go play with kids. We also live in Utah, in which this wasn't really taken very seriously. So, you know, they see kids running around out in the street. And we are, you know, they're like, well, they're outside. (laughs) They're playing. Why can't we play? So we had to manage, you know, their um, expectations. Um, We played, you know, bad cop a lot. Um, in terms of, of just trying to like, you know, keep sa- uh, them safe and well safe. Um, and so, and then there's also just, you know, the lack of time away from anybody, right. Cabin fever and just being together all the time and <laughs> not having any space, you know, it, it, <laughs> it just again, it wears on people a little bit. Right. Um, yeah. so, so those are the things that, you know, that, that we were managing during the pandemic. Well, and I think that's a great point too, you know, yeah. it, it, it brings up another tension, right. That we have to manage as not just as, you know, husbands and wives and parents, it's, you know, it's the self and other, right. And so in the midst of taking care of everybody and everything and monitoring and managing the kids and, you know, it's hard to take care of yourself and to have that time to yourself because there's nowhere to go. Right. <laughs> Right. You're kind of like stuck there. So I think that's another which adds to the stress. Right. It builds on. It's another layer Mm -hmm. of what everybody's been experiencing, too. So I think that's I was me, too, that one of the things uh, back to to the other, you know, polarity of of work and home. I think one of the things that the pandemic really highlighted and maybe this is, you know, a silver lining that's going to come out of this is our acknowledgement of just how much these care supports matter to people's day to day lives. Right. Like we took public school for granted and the degree to which it facilitates right our abilities to to work at our jobs we take for granted right daycares um and our ability to put kids in care and then it also highlights you know not only how important these things are um but also just how expensive <laughs> they are um and and how that this is really infrastructure in our lives right that these mm-hmm. are these are yeah. necessary things that we need to keep our economy humming along and if we don't mm-hmm. have these things, right, then we see the consequences of this and families and, and work starts to break down a bit because people don't have the time, right, to devote to these other tasks. Right, right. right. Yeah. And, and I think I like to think, you know, the pandemic is, you know, a wake up call on a lot of different levels, right, to bring to our awareness a number of different things, this being one of them, right, the infrastructures that are necessary and the 
and how it impacts us in such a um, a deep way, you know, when those infrastructures aren't available. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot about, you know, what you're bringing as well. So, you know, in your... Um, in the new study that you published with your colleagues in gender work and organization recently, that revealed some really important findings in regards to childcare roles that fathers and mothers played during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And can you just share a little bit about the background of that on that issue and kind of what you found? Yeah. So again, the background of the issue is um, that there's in massive influx of domestic work back into homes during the pandemic, right? And, you know, conventionally domestic work, childcare, housework, right? This, this is, um, this is, this is women's work, right? Um, and so the thought was, you know, that of course women would bear the brunt of this coming in into the home. Um, so when schools closed, who was going to do the virtual learning? Who was going to monitor kids learning? Daycares are closed. Well, now who's going to be parenting the kids all day? Um, and so we wanted to, to look at, you know, what were these changes and how did they affect, how did specifically childcare, you know, how did these childcare issues during the pandemic, how were they related to parents, you know, um, employment outcomes? So we looked at, you know, whether people were leaving the labor force, we looked at whether they were, and also whether they were doing it voluntarily or involuntarily. We were looking at their paid work hours. So those who stayed at their jobs, did they reduce their hours or, or not? Um, and so what we found was that, you know, all of all these changes of, of schools closing early on in the pandemic, of the loss of daycare, that none of this impacted dads. Had no impact whatsoever on their labor force participation. But we found that it mattered a great deal for, for mothers. So, um you know, and, and two things mattered in particular. Um, there was this issue of, of schooling, so virtual learning. Um, and so moms who are taking on virtual learning, um, you know, we saw that they had a threefold decrease in their labor force participation. When, when you know, and, and, and here's the thing too, is that we didn't have a national strategy for how to handle the pandemic, right? Everything was left up to individual states. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of variability. Some schools just said, April said, yeah, we're done. <laughs> schools out. Yeah. We're finished. Others <laughs> were like, others were like, oh, we have a plan in place and we're going to have teachers go online. And others were like, well, you know, we don't really have a plan. So if you want your kid to still learn, maybe it's all on you. Um, and so we found that when mothers were like sourcing learning and facilitating this, that that time really detracted from their ability to stay in their jobs. And so a lot of them dropped out of the labor force. And they also reduced their paid work hours um, quite a bit too if they stayed in their jobs. But the other thing that we found that was really quite striking was the role that dads were playing in all this. So, you know, pre-pandemic, divisions of childcare pre-pandemic, so how parents were sharing in the load of, of caring for their kids. When moms were doing almost all of it, prior to the pandemic, they had a 50% chance of dropping out of their jobs by April, right? So when moms were responsible for all this, one in two of them were like leaving their jobs. But when parents were sharing childcare equally, when they were splitting it, right, roughly the same, um, women's chance of, of leaving the, the labor force was only 15%. And that was about the same odds as what we found for fathers, 
right? So a dramatic decrease in the chances that moms would be dropping out of work if dads were sharing the load at home, right? And so it just goes to show just how important dads are, right? Um, not only for their children's lives and being engaged fathers and the benefits that accrue there, but also, right, how they're supporting their spouses. Um, and, you know, again, highlights just, you know, how, how, you know, the time is a finite thing and we only have so much energy and we can only do so much, right? And something has got to give when we have to do all the things, um, and so when we share right in these these tasks, when we share in these burdens, um, then then, you know, um, there, there are less likely to be negative repercussions for any one person. Right. And there's more benefits that accrue from sharing, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we believe in sharing. Yeah, <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> Hey, it's Tracy, and we're going to get back to the episode shortly, but I had to interrupt just briefly to let you know the doors to our Ultimate Dynamic Balance Bootcamp are open for enrollment. If you're like most healthcare leaders we talk to, you've been feeling conflicted, overwhelmed, exhausted, and stressed since the pandemic broke the barriers between work and home, and things aren't getting any better. So it's easy to see that if you don't prioritize finding a way to gain balance between your professional and personal life, things will get progressively worse and you'll end up burnt out if you aren't already. So stop the vicious cycle and go over to missinglogic.com forward slash new dash events to learn more and enroll in the boot camp today. Well, you know, but I think here's, here's something too that, and you've brought this up a couple times, right? There's a lot of history here about the role of the woman, right? And so that's a lot to overcome. And I know that wasn't necessarily what you were studying in this particular instance, but have you like, and and you may not be able to answer this readily, but it's just a question that's popping up for me. What does it take? Like, have you done any studies on what it takes for men to, you know, step beyond that historical um, value or belief system into, you know, having, sharing those responsibilities? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the good things that has come out of the pandemic, again, a, a silver lining, so to speak, is that men's contributions at home have increased uh, pretty significantly. Um, you know, and what we're seeing is that a lot of the burdens um, of the pandemic in terms of, of women dropping out of the labor force, um, it's really hit single mothers the hardest, right? Because again, who's there to share the load? Mm-hmm. Increase in labor is going to obviously fall on them. Um, and so in couples, it seems that, that fathers have stepped up in this sort of, you know, crisis mode to, to do more. And what facilitated their ability to do more was their time at home. So remote work has been huge in this, right? And it, and it matters in two ways. Not only does it increase their available time at home to attend to things, Right. And also give them the flexibility, right, to, to leave. So like right now, if I had to, there's a crisis in my house. I could just be like, sorry, peace out, done with the podcast and go do, you know, handle something. But if I was at work in the office, I couldn't do that, right? Mm-hmm, um, right. So having that flexibility is huge for being able to help out. But then there's also the degree to which it exposes men to the hidden labor that they don't see when they're in the office, Right. They don't see all the things that moms do. They don't see all the things that their children need. They don't see all the ins and outs of the daily rhythms of of the house. 
And so they're ignorant, right, to just how much work their wives are doing. They're ignorant to, to the needs of their kids. Um, and so that exposure increases their appreciation for these tasks. It increases their, um, it increases even, you know, their, their efficacy to feel that they can yeah. step in and do these things, right? It increases their ability to anticipate needs because they see things, you know? I mean, one of the biggest things about, about housework um, and domestic labor um, that, that again, gets that's highlighted by, by being home is, you know, there's just, there's a lot of preparation and organizing and planning, right? It's more than just doing the dish, right? It, it's more than just cleaning the bathroom. It's the anticipate, you know, the anticipation of, oh, school year's coming up. The kids need new clothes. Oh, we're running out of milk. I can even put that on the grocery list. All those things, right? And when you're home more, then you see those things and you can start anticipating. When you start anticipating, then you take ownership. And so men do more and are more likely to stick with it when they own it, right? You can't just be, you know, the mom's, you know, female partners, they can't just be the boss who's always dictating to dads, oh, go do this, go do that. And then people are like, oh, you're nagging me, right? That is not an equal partnership. That's not how this is going to play out. If you want to have equality, then you both have to own it, right? You both have to be engaged in it. Yeah. And so being home is huge for fathers for this. Um, and yeah. so, so you know, we're hopeful, right? That, that, that exposure is going to lead to something. At the same time, though, you're going to need those work family supports to continue to facilitate that. Dads still need that available time. We also need to change the culture, right? Because there's a stigma associated with work flexibility. You know, people who work from home, who who want to work part time, they're not seen as a de- as dedicated, right? So that means that they're less likely to get promoted. They're less likely to get their raises, and people are fearful of that. And so, even though the vast majority of adults state that they need flexibility, they don't use it, right? Um, because they're afraid of what that's going to mean for their careers and fathers, especially, right? So another thing that mm-hmm. might come out of the p- pandemic is a decrease in this stigma, right? That, that mm-hmm. working from home isn't so stigmatized anymore, right? Because we've all done it. We've all seen it and we all know that people can still be productive doing it. And so that'll be helpful moving forward, right? Kind of mm-hmm. getting rid of this ideal worker image that, that, you know, people have to devote themselves in, in, entirely to their occupations or, or else, you know, they're going to, be fearful of losing their jobs or, or not being promoted or not getting a raise, right? That people have families and they want to devote time to that too. And, and that we recognize that people have those needs. Yeah. yeah. Great points. Great points. And uh, one of the, you know, one of the elements in our dynamic balance effect and mindful choices is healthy relationships. And one of the principles is equal accountability. And it, that's applicable to families as much as it is, is to the workplace, right? Mm-hmm. And when you really live that, it also really makes much healthier relationships at home, right? Yeah, it well, really does. It, you know, and, and I would say like another part of our research has been to sort of illustrate just what the benefits of equality are in the domestic sphere, right? So, you know, couples who, who share the load, the, you know, unpaid work at home, childcare and housework, who share it equally, you know, their relationships are happier. They're more stable, right? So they're less likely to get divorced. Um, Those relationships are more intimate. They have better communication, right? They're just happy all around. Um, And, you know, a lot of that comes down to issues of fairness, right? One person isn't being overburdened and therefore resentful, and the person who is being over benefited doesn't feel guilty, 
right? Um, but it's also about what equality entails, right? That working relationship, that communication, that cooperation. I mean, that's how relationships are built, right? And you want to have a good, strong relationship, then you need that. And, and when you're not equals, it's, it's, it's more difficult, right, to build something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, and I think what I appreciate about you and Jen is you live this. You, you have a, a, a very healthy relationship, a partnering relationship. And so I, I think our listeners will want to know what comes first, the chicken or the egg. So were you always like that or did your research influence uh-huh. how you are in your relationship? Yeah, I, I think it's a, um, it's a reciprocal. I, you know, when we, when we were thinking about having kids, you know, we've always we've always both been, you know, um, focused on, on our future careers. Right. And had a lot of aspirations and I've always been dedicated to support each other along those endeavors. I mean, you know, when, when I decided to go to graduate school, you know, we sat down, we had a very clear sense of like, okay, this is going to take time. And, you know, this will be great because then once I'm done and I have my, my, you know, faculty position, um, then, you know, I can support the family and you can dedicate all your time to building the business. Right. And so we decided on this trade off long ago and that would be equal. And then we start decided to have Windsor. Um, you know, it was a conversation about, OK, how are we going to do this equally? Because, I, I, you know, again, I knew. Right. When moms have kids, there's a penalty there. Right. And that labor de facto gets pushed on them. And I mean, this is just things happen, even if you don't want them to. So you got to be really concerted about making sure this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so in that instance, like, I was, I was coming from my research background and my scientific background and knowing that this was going to be the case. And so, you know, using my knowledge to try to help prevent that. But I'll tell you what, when you live in a world that doesn't facilitate equality, equality is hard to do. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. we don't have the supports in the United States to make this happen. Couples are all on their own. So there's many to many a time that we've slipped into you know traditionalism you know and we've had to have jen's had had really concerted conversations with me about like i you're not giving me my time and i'm you know and i'm easily just pulled into work meeting calls work calls beckons i have this appointment i have this thing to do i have you know and so i slide this way and she's like over here going look i'm i got the kids in my lap and it doesn't help that her job is always you know been based in the house which blurs those boundaries for her anyways sure so we've had to you know talk a lot conversations mm-hmm. all the time. And yeah, you know, she's had to snap me back into reality uh, quite a few times, right. To remind me of my commitments, right. That I made to her and to yeah. make sure, right. That we were doing this, this, this fairly, because again, like the way our society is built, it's, it's just, it pushes men into the labor force. It pulls women into the home yeah. and we have to fight. If you want equality, you have to fight really hard against those forces. So things like, you know, subsidized childcare are huge, right. Um, for, for getting, um, for helping alleviate that burden on families. Uh, having that work flexibility is really important. Um, and so when you don't have those things, or when you don't have maternity leave and paternity leave, and you don't have flexible jobs, then it just becomes really difficult to, to try to make those work. So so we try every day. It's a daily affirmation, right? You try to remind yourself, you remind yourself of like what it is you're trying to accomplish, and you have to be very mindful, right, to not, yeah. to not lose intention it's intention yeah well it's that vigilance right that, because it is yes. easy it is easy to fall backwards right to slip yep. into old patterns of behavior to be pulled forward or pushed and uh, and so you do have to be vigilant and 
you have to be able to be candid about what the situation is and what you're experiencing and what you want to do about it, right? So knowing that there's good intention, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're all human beings, right? So mm-hmm. I think uh, I think you started to kind of mention, Dan, some of the structures, right, that are necessary, um, you know, because, because we have this situation, you have mm-hmm. to have infrastructures or processes to help break that pattern on a large scale. So do you want to say a little bit more about what structures are necessary to kind of help support dads to be more involved and engaged from a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we need we need things that allow fathers to be home, right? So workplace structures, facilitating and enabling dads to to take time away right? To have more flexible jobs, both in terms of where they work, but also when they work. Um, you know, one thing about remote work is that remote work varies. Some remote work is, is very self-directed. Other remote work is not. So if like you're working for a call center, you don't have a lot of flexibility. Yeah, you might be working from home. I mean, they call them a call center. They're not call centers anymore. When you call a place, you're talking to somebody who's sitting on their couch, right? So like <laughs> that person, <laughs> that person is is not flexible in that respect. They're flexible, they're they're home, but they're not choosing their time, or right? they gotta be at their job, at their desk, at their computer, whatever. So giving people flexibility not only in where they work, but also when they work is important to attend to their to their family needs. Um, you know, paternity leave is, is huge. You know, one of the things that we know is that, um, paternity leave really facilitates father involvement, right? If dads aren't there initially, then there's a momentum there that carries forward and they get, you know, disattached, you know, they just, they're not there to attend their child's needs. They don't learn their child's needs, which makes mom the de facto parent, which pushes dads even further away. So when you get dads, you know, home and they're allowed to stay home, which again, the vast majority of dads want to do in the first place, then they feel more efficacious as parents, right? They know their children better. They bond stronger with their children. They're more involved. And that carries over past the time of leave, right? That, that those, those create patterns that are long lasting. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really important structure. And then again, you know, there's our care infrastructures. You know, we have to have child care. Um, you know, women drop out of the labor force when they have kids because what are you going to do, right? And in child care in the United States, one year of child care is just as expensive as, as one year at a four-year college, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, the, the costs are insane. Um, and so, you know, that, that leads to two problems. One is people don't want to have kids anymore because they're too dang expensive. Yep. And we have to have kids because, you know, we all need care when we're old. So <laughs> that's we right. do that if we don't have children. That's um, why I had you. No. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, have fun in the nursing home. Anyways, so uh, I tease. Um, you know, so we there's that. But then, you know, there's just like people, you know, they're not being the people they want to be. Right. They're not forming the families that they want because the costs are too much to bear. And especially for women who are looking at this situation going, well, gee, I can have kids or I can have a career. Right. And they're being offered this either or men are being offered an either or men don't go, oh, I can have kids or I can have a career. Men can have it all. (laughs) But women have to choose. So that's not fair. Right. And so, you know, care infrastructure is, is, is very, very important. So providing families with the means in which to care for their children when they're young. Um, is also a very important piece of this infrastructure puzzle. Yeah, yeah. Such great points. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, 
It's local yep. and it's national, right? We have to have policies and yep. the businesses have to do their part, right, to implement yep. some of these things that you're talking about. And then in the home, we have to have the relationship. So there's a lot of levels to this, right, to really yep. make it work and make a difference. And then when you think about it, too, you know, um, a lot of women leaving the workforce because of child care because they don't make enough. Right. It's better for them to stay home. Right. Than to pay for child care because their job doesn't even cover the child care. So I've seen women make those choices too, right? Because they not their benefits or pay right. is not enough to cover that, right? Or to right. And that's make a it slippery worth slope it. too, because one of the reasons why women get paid, right, is the, there's discriminated against in the labor force for being mothers in the first place. Exactly. Right? They're offered lower wages because the assumption is they're not that ideal worker. Oh, they're going to be distracted by their kids. They're going to have to, you know, leave because mm -hmm. kids are sick at school. They're going to be taking time away and time off when they're pregnant. So they're not offered the same salary. And so then when you're in your couple, right, when you're in your household and you're deciding what to do here, like, well, you make less than me. So, of course, you should lose your job. You should quit your job. Yeah. So it, right. it's, a, it's a cycle, right? That, that feeds it's a vicious cycle. It, so. It is. Yeah, it is. It's not fair. <laughs> well, well I, we're just grateful that you're out there studying these things, right? And shining a light on it. And mm. Yeah, we are thrilled to share your findings with yeah. our audience. Oh, we are. We who are. are primarily in healthcare, and this is a health issue too. So it's, it's all connected. It's and definitely primarily all women. Yeah. yeah. Right? Our audience is yeah. primarily, I think, women, right? In healthcare, when you think about that. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's something that teaches us all, right? I mean, these are these are day to day issues that they are that everybody deals with. Yeah, doesn't matter where you're working or yeah, where you're living. That's Universal. For sure. Yep, they are. So before we close, we're gonna do a little something special that we do at the end of our uh, episodes, and we've got some missing questions that we're gonna ask you. And now this is just so people get to know you a little bit more, even at a personal level. I mean, you've shared quite a bit today, which we're grateful for. Mm -hmm. But just a, a few questions, nothing difficult, nothing you can't handle. And uh, so we're just going to ask a few. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> says mom. You got this, Dan. Go ahead, Michelle, you get it started. All right. So in one sentence, what describes Dan Carlson's purpose in life? <laughs> <laughs> Um, One sentence. Make a difference. Awesome. Which you are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's another question, Dan. What do you do to keep yourself balanced? <laughs> um, I'm horrible at balance. <laughs> I'm like my mother. I work a lot and I work really hard. <laughs> Too much potentially. Um, so I, I don't balance well. Um. <laughs> I don't honestly. I think if there's one thing that I do, you know, is I try to get good sleep. Yeah. You know? Okay. That's a big part of it. It is. Absolutely. Wait, and you went golfing on Father's Day, you know. You do do some things occasionally to uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I you like play with your more. and you play with your kids. So I just have to say, like, you're the best dad. Like you yeah. play with those kids all the time. And I can see the joy that that brings you, you know? So I think that that helps you stay balanced in a way you might not even recognize mm -hmm. because you're having fun, right? And you're laughing and you're just, which is all about, you know, and it, so 
balancing yourself is just about bringing those kinds of things into your life too. So you're not just serious and stressed and working, you know, you're doing some of those things mm-hmm. too. So yeah, but I'll tell you, you know, you talk about tensions and polarities all the time. That's the biggest tension in my life is the push and pull between wanting to be there for the kids and then having to do my job. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. then having them go, please, you haven't played with us. Please play with us. And I'm like, I want to play with you. But then I, <laughs> I got this. Or then like when I'm playing with them, my mind is elsewhere thinking about my work and just trying to keep those things separate and enjoy being with them and putting work to the side, but finding the balance between those two things. Yeah. 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 Well, but and yeah. it's always going to be there. It's always going to be there. Because it's a blueprint. A <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hate to tell you that, but yeah. You know. okay. We'll get you a blueprint and we'll get that figured out. (laughs) All right. Got another one for you. So when was the last time you sat in silence? Sat in silence? Mm -hmm. Just sat in Um, silence. The other night. So I uh, just planted eight juniper trees on our outside fence. So I mean, like a privacy hedge. I worked my butt off for two days trying to plant those things like we have hard scrabble right like boulders in our like we don't have soil we have mountain (laughs) mountain runoff and so like it takes forever to dig a hole i was really tired so i i sat outside on that porch i just sat there you know for a couple minutes when i was done just kind of like basking in the (laughs) glory or just basking in the exhaustion of of my hard work so it wasn't that long ago but i don't do that yeah, well, there you go. That's good. Hey, as long as you're doing it, some, yeah. that's good, yeah. right? It just, it is a very helpful practice um, to sit in silence. All right, one wrap up question for you. Sure. So we've been talking about different polarities. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this. <laughs> we've been talking about different polarities and um, we just, you know, what we know about polarities is we all tend to have a preference for one pole more than the other, right? Mm-hmm. We just tend to lean naturally one way more than the other. So the polarity we want you to, to you know, ask yourself about is what do you prefer more, activity or rest? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, tough one. I mean, I like my sleep, but I'm kind of restless person. You know, like I'm the kind of guy who I'll go on a grocery run at 10 o'clock at night just because I, you know, see there's a need to do a thing. So <laughs> I kind of I think I go towards activity more. I'm, I'm kind of a busybody. Yeah. Yeah. Not so like, too. yeah, you knew that was going to go. You're like your mom. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Apples don't fall far from the tree, Dan. That's no, right. <laughs> Oh, Dan, thank you so much. We're just thrilled that you accepted our invitation to be in our podcast and really appreciate you sharing your important work with the world, really. And I always learn something when I'm with you, you know, and so to be with you in this way was just extra special and can't wait to see you. Hope to see you this summer when you come to Michigan. We'll see if we can make that happen. Oh, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And uh, your work is really, really important. It's very important and it will make a difference. So very proud of you. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So for our healthcare's missing logic listeners, that's it for this episode and we'll see you on the next one. So thank you and have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of healthcare's missing logic podcast. Now a top rated podcast for healthcare leaders. 
Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.